cheat code, and I believe it's going to revolutionize your life. Mark, we're going to figure the other stuff out. I'm going right to work. Uh, uh, Acts I'm just throwing off the whole script today, but uh, Acts chapter number three, Acts chapter number three, verse number, I'm going to read um, just verse five and six. Acts chapter three, verse five and six says this. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Um, this ends the reading of uh, God's, God's word. I want to talk from this subject. This is my commitment in 2023. I hope it's yours. This is what I'm going to be doing all year long this year. Here it is. Here's the title of today's teaching. I'm name dropping. All year long, <laughs> I'm name dropping. Clap your hands if you're ready for God's word. So this past summer, my wife and I were hosting um, our mastermind group. It's a group of faith-based knowledgepreneurs, people who have something that they know, some education, some insight, some experience that they want to put in a form um, where it serves other people and creates a stream of income for them. We were hosting an event for them in Miami. And I wanted to get a workout in before um, one of the sessions started. So I went to this place in Brooklyn that I work out at when I'm in Miami. And when I was walking back, I ran into someone who was a follower of the ministry. And this, and this, when this typically happens, even though there are different people in different places, they typically say similar things, right? The ministries bless me, I'm a part of Change Global, etc. This gentleman said something a little different. And although he was quite complimentary, he said something that exposed an area of, of <laughs> sensitivity <laughs> in me. So he's dapping me up and he says, man, you are OG. So outwardly, I said, thanks. <laughs> but inwardly, I'm like, did you just uncle me? I'm up now? I am too young to be an OG. And I thought about it. I said, now wait a minute. This February, actually next month, I will have been preaching 24 years. Yeah. Don't clap, don't clap. <laughs> and I thought about some people on our staff who are not even 24 years old. I say, well, I'll be. I don't hit uncle status. First lady, you are 18, you are 18. Uncle and auntie. I accept it. <laughs> After that experience, then I'm at an age and stage where in some areas of my life, I got to accept. I'm OG. <laughs> but preaching is not the only area where I accept OG status. 
I claim OG status also, not just in preaching. I'm an OG when it comes to gaming. And I know some of you are not, uh, were born in an era where the only consoles you are familiar with are the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. But I'm an old school gamer. Huh? I go all the way back to something called an Atari. See, y'all not. <laughs> yeah. Huh? All the way back to Atari. <laughs> huh? Y'all don't know nothing about a Sega Genesis. Huh? You don't know about that. Yeah. But one of the games I spent the most amount of time on was, was the Nintendo. Now, I'm not talking about the Wii. I'm talking about version one. I'm talking about Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. I'm talking about when the game is not working right, you eject the cartridge, blow on it, put it back in the console. <laughs> and I remember there's this one game I love to play on my Nintendo it's a game called Super Contra and so look at those graphics look at those graphics you don't know nothing about that GNC you don't know nothing about those graphics y'all got y'all 4K resolution and they, you gotta be committed to video games to play that And I remember playing this game on my own. I enjoyed it, but I would, I would, there were times where I felt trapped and stuck and frustrated because I could only get so far. I could only accomplish so much. I kept getting stuck at the same levels until one day I went to Greenwood, Mississippi to visit my cousins who were also gamers and we got ready to play Super Contra together. And before we got started, my cousin Skip said to me, hold up, let me enter in this cheat code. I said, a cheat code? What is that? He said, yeah, it's a code that you enter in so that when you normally would have three lives or three times to die and the game was over, he said, the cheat code give you 30. I said, well, I'll be. What's the code? And he said, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. He entered that code and I saw 30 lives. Y'all missed it. Where I could recover previously only three times. Now I could recover 30 times. 
the game would have been over sooner if it were not for the cheat code. But once the cheat code was over, the game got extended. Once I entered the cheat code, I could go to levels I couldn't go to before. Once I entered the cheat code, I could defeat enemies I could not defeat before. Once I entered the cheat code, I could accomplish things I could not accomplish before. And I came to tell you today, Change Church, there is not just a cheat code for Contra. There's a cheat code for Christians. And if you learn this cheat code, you can go to levels you hadn't been to before. Elisha learned this cheat code and it shut up heaven and heaven didn't rain for 40 and it didn't rain for 40 days. Moses learned this cheat code and it split the Red Sea. Jonah learned this cheat code and it spit him out of the belly of a whale. And if you and I learn this cheat code, it will swing doors open that no man can shut. It will close doors that no man can open. If we will learn this cheat code, it will make our enemies our footstool. If we will learn this cheat code, it will take what the devil meant for evil and turn it and work it for our good. Dr. Darius, what's the cheat code you're referring to? This cheat code I'm referring to is prayer. Yeah, prayer is the cheat code because prayer is an indication that we have a revelation that I got to work in two realms. I'm going to say that one more time. Now, you gave me permission now. We're going to run next month, okay? You, 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 we're going to be more than a shouting people, though. We're going to be a strong people. I'm going to say that again. I don't think y'all agreed with that I said we're going to be more than a shouting people we're gonna be a strong people we're gonna do more than shout on Sunday we're gonna have some spiritual weight and some theological acumen on Monday so that when your feet hit the floor Monday morning the enemy get nervous he say oh she woke oh he's woke prayer it's an indication that you got a revelation that I got to work in the natural realm, but I've also got to work in the spiritual realm. Prayer, watch this, is an avenue where you and I offer invitations for divine intervention. Why is this important? This is important because God has made a decision that some of his intervention will only come at our invitation. God has made a decision that there are some things I will not do until you ask. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying on this side? Here's the way the Bible puts it. You have not. Because you ask not. Yeah, one writer tells a story of, it's a parable, but he tells this parable, this story of how someone passes away, goes to heaven, runs into Peter. Peter takes them into this room that has gifts stacked from the floor to the ceiling, and the individual asks Peter, what are these gifts? And Peter says to the individual, these are all the things God wanted to give you that you didn't ask for. Because, uh, am I making sense here? 
Yeah, here it is, here it is. Sam Storms says this, theologian Sam Storms says this. He says, we should not expect to receive anything independent of prayer that God only promises in response to prayer. Charles Spurgeon says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. He says, God will bless Israel with rain, but Elijah must ask for it. He'll deliver the Jews, but Daniel had to pray for it. Abimelech got healed when Abraham prayed. Job's friend's wrath was averted when he prayed. Jonah got out of the fish because he prayed. Pharaoh's curse was lifted because Moses prayed. God spared Israel because Moses prayed. And one of the greatest tragedies in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. And this is where we have to do some healthy deconstruction so that we can engage in some healthy, emphasis on the word healthy, reconstruction. Because depending on your religious upbringing, you've been subliminally conditioned that asking is selfish. Not realizing and recognizing that my wants and wishes are my responsibility. God's will is his responsibility. So my job is to ask for what I'm believing for, and it's his job to give me what's best for me. So I'm going to do the asking. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to let heaven sort out what's mine and what's not mine. I'm going to let heaven sort out what's good for me and what's not good for me. I'm going to let God figure out what I need in this season and what I don't. Because some stuff I thought I needed, I don't. And some stuff I thought I didn't need, I do. I don't know enough about me to make those kind of decisions about my life. So I'm going to ask him for what I want and trust him with what he gives. If I'm talking to you already, put those hands together and give him praise. Listen to me. However, this, this truth won't be transformative if, if you don't have a revelation of your, your limitations. You can grind and hustle to get in a room, but you can't make somebody open the door for you. You've got limitations. You can interview well, but you can't make someone give you the grant, give you the scholarship, give you the bid, give you the contract, give you the job. We've got limitations. We can speak in the most loving and gracious tones, but we can't make somebody listen. We've got limitations. And so prayer is a revelation of your personal limitations. But it is also, watch this, it is also an indication to God that you know your limits aren't his. Did you hear what I just said? I said, I said that when I pray, it is my way of subliminally articulating to God that, you, that my limitations are not yours. So that which I am limited by is not what has to limit me because you are the one that is not bound by any of my limitations. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do my part in the natural. Yeah. 
That's one realm. But prayer puts his super on my natural. Prayer gets his grace on my grind. And when his super gets on your natural, when his grace gets on your grind, when his help gets behind your hustle, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. If you've been doing all you've been doing just in one realm, what is God getting ready to do in 2023 when you perfect working equally as hard in both realms? Now stay with me, family. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Now to the average individual that's hearing what I'm attempting to articulate, I have said nothing new to you. Most of you are not unfamiliar with the priority of prayer. Are y'all ready? Uh, 13 of you ready? I say, y'all ready? Okay, come on, come on. Here, participatory, right? Epic, Particip particip enthusiastic, participatory. All right, here it is, here it is. To the average individual, I've said nothing you didn't already know. We, for the most part, are very clear that prayer should be a priority. Where there is ambiguity and dubiousness is here. It's praying properly. Wait a minute. Did you, because the cheat code doesn't work unless you do it right. And in the book of James, well, James is writing to believers who are a bit frustrated with the lack of results that they're getting from their prayer. And James has to let them know that your lack of results can be attributed to two areas. He says, one, you're not asking. James 4, you have not because you ask not. And then verse 3, he says, when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So prioritizing prayer is not enough. Prioritizing prayer done properly is the actual cheat code. Am I making sense, family? I said, am I making sense? And much of what many of us, not all, I don't know you, but much, most of what many of us have learned when it comes to prayer has come from emulation of what we've seen in others. Did you hear what I just said? Others who may have a different calling than you. Others who may have a different wiring than you. Others who may have a different appetite than you. Come on. And so, so we then assume effective prayer is modeling after those we've seen do it. So it comes, much of what we know about this comes from our emulation from others and not biblical education and this revelation we're going to talk about this next week was a turning point for the disciples in Luke chapter number 11 because these followers of Jesus have been walking with him for forever and three years rather and they had been they had been praying men at least we know since the age of 13 when they became sons of the commandment bar mitzvah and the Bible says that these men who have been praying their entire life says to Jesus in Luke 11:1, 1, 
teach us how to pray. Thank you, but you've been doing this your whole life. What do you mean teach you how to pray? They're like, yeah, we be praying, but when you pray, something different happened. When you pray, dead people be getting up. When you pray, blind eyes are open. Right? When you pray, the sick are healed. Teach me how to do that. Are y'all hearing me? This, this month, will you give me permission to challenge you to take a new look at an old thing? This month, will you allow me to shepherd you into a more biblical and more effective approach to prayer? Are y'all here? Yes. All right. If you're going to give me permission to do this, then I want to teach you one thing about this today that I think is extremely important, often overlooked. It's a practice many of us engaged in, but in my experience, not as many of us have been taught about, and that is this. This is, ladies and gentlemen, so important, so essential. When it comes to prayer, a cheat code is knowing how to name drop. Are y'all y'all just listening or you 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 okay? Here, here, here it is. Here it is. It's learning how to name drop. When Jesus is teaching his apprentices how to pray, he tells them this in John chapter number 10. He says in verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will even do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Did you hear what I just said? Media, please put my scripture up. Here it is. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Jesus is teaching the disciples one of the keys to effective prayer is the proper utilization of my name. You need to know the role of my name praise in prayer if you're going to pray consistently and if you're going to pray effectively. Come on, talk to me. In other words, he's saying my name plays a pivotal and key role in you being confident enough to pray you don't have the clout with the father I do you don't have the confidence with the father that I do you don't have the spotless and blemishless record that I do so when I take the request to the father I get a different kind of response and because I love you like that when you talk to him I'm giving you permission use my name when you talk to him Tell him I sent you. When you talk to him, mention me. You see, my sister and I grew up 
uh, I have one sister who lives in Florida, and so she's three, four years younger than me. So we grew up in a household we had to do chores. And one of the chores we had to do every night was washing dishes. And so one night was my night, another night was her night, etc. I mean, I'm talking about old school. Like if you weren't tall enough to wash, you, they put a stool on the sink. You stood on the sink. Yep. <laughs> and wash those dishes, right? And so uh, if I were to go into her one night and say, hey, go in the kitchen and wash those dishes, she would move. Come on, guys, I got six minutes, don't. But if I were to go back into that room and say, Daddy said, wash the dishes, she would get up, put shoes on, and run to the kitchen because the name will make still things move. The name makes all the difference. If I dropped the right name, and I came to tell you in culture, they drop a whole lot of different names. But in the kingdom, we've got to learn how to drop one name that is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. What Jesus, you can be seated, what Jesus taught the disciples was the proper utilization of his name when it comes to prayer that gets his kind of results. This is kingdom prayer. Remember three ways you can live your life. Culture's way, that's what they do in culture. Church's way, which is the, the historic practices of the Christian church, or the king's way, which is Jesus's way. And in the New Testament, very often, there was dissonance and chasms between what the church was doing and what Jesus wanted. As a matter of fact, he goes into church one day and he sees exploitation happening, right? Selling of doves and exploit the, the, the temple taxes and just massive exploitations. Now, let's see how this disrupts your uh, Zen version of Jesus. He tear that church up. He's turning over. No, come on. I'm in the Bible. He's turning over tables. And this is what he said, it is written. This is what the Bible says, it is written that my father's house should be a house of prayer. But you have made it into a den of thieves. He said, you have created something that is completely inconsistent with my father intended. It's, it's inconsistent with what the father intended. But because you like it, you think God's okay with it. And God's like, they having a ball. And God's like, I don't even like that. Did you hear what I just said? And, and so, I, I want level three prayer. I want, I want to get Jesus kind of results. And he taught them the proper utilization of his name. He taught them this in John, and we see them putting it into practice in Acts. 
The Bible says, I'm almost done, y'all good? Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 3, two of Jesus' apprentices, Peter and John, are going to the temple uh, at one of the dedicated times to pray. This was likely, some historians say, the 3 o'clock hour, which means it was the last prayer hour of the day corporately and so they encounter a man who's outside the temple who's crippled and strategically placed there to ask for alms now remember this is three o'clock the other time of prayer is 12 o'clock so this means the man either missed the 12 o'clock hour and came to the three o'clock hour or he came to the 12 o'clock hour and stayed around to the three o'clock hour in either instance, here is a lesson for us. The cheat code will help you catch the three o'clock when you miss the 12. Okay, I'm assuming everybody who's quiet, you've never blown an opportunity. I'm assuming you've never made a mistake. I'm assuming you've never fumbled a bag. I'm assuming you never mismanaged one of God's blessings. I'm assuming you so young, you got the whole, you got the most of your life in front of you. But for the rest of us that have mismanaged some seasons and wasted some time and fumbled some bags and mismanaged some opportunities, if you miss it at the 12 o'clock, God will spin the block and circle back around to the three o'clock. Watch this. The text says this man was lame from birth. Why does the writer decide to give us this degree of detail? It means that there's no season in this man's life where he walked on his own. Now remember, I taught you this. Charles Spurgeon says, the literal miracles in the Bible are metaphors for spiritual miracles that God can perform in our lives. So the inability to move naturally is a metaphor for seasons where we feel stuck. Right? So, so literal lameness in the Bible metaphorically refers to seasons where we feel like, man, time is moving. I'm not. Time is moving, uh, but our relationship not. Time is moving, but my career not. So we can have a lame career. We can have a lame mental state. We can have a lame marriage. Come on. We can have a lame financial situation where it's crippled and immobile and it's not moving. And the Bible says that it was this way for this man's whole life. It means he don't even know what movement looked like. He don't even know what it's like not to have to have somebody carry him. And could see the frustration on people's face that are having to carry him, but because he need them, he got to put up with people carrying him who don't want to. Did you hear what I just said? So he's not only dealing with his situation physically, now he's struggling emotionally because he's looking at the way they look at him when they pick him up. <sighs> but he's got to get to where he's got to go. His entire life, he's been in that situation. 
but I believe the writer gives us this degree of detail to show us that the power of prayer is not subject to the length of the struggle the length of the struggle is subject to the power of prayer that it does not matter how long you have been in this situation or it does not matter if there's not been a time in your life where you hadn't had to deal with this. If you will keep showing up every day, then one day your Peter and John are going to walk down your path and your one day is going to turn into your day. Y'all miss this. Peter and John were the answer to his issue. but they didn't announce their coming. You got it. They didn't announce their coming. It means the answer to his issue showed up without announcement. In this man's mind, it's just an ordinary day. I'm just doing what I do every day. But the answer showed up unannounced. I'm trying to see who's catching this revelation. There's some things God's going to send into your life without an announcement. No warning. The answer just going to show up. You thinking it's a regular Monday and you getting ready to get an email or a text or a phone call that's about to rock your world. Peter and John are getting ready to show up. It is so so all right so he has to listen to this y'all he has you can be seated he has to let <laughs> so he has to sit there lay there every day lord i don't have time to, i don't have time to this he's Watch this. He's laying there knowing he's limited in how often he can ask his friends to carry him places. So he's got to be strategic about where he asks them to take him. And every day, they took him to church. And he sat there, and he had to watch people every day. I'm going to see who, who's real and who can handle this. Maybe change global. I'm going to see. Uh, he had to watch people every day that had what he wanted. Where is my church at this 11th? Every... Every day, he had to watch people that had what he wanted. They doing the simple things that he wished he could do. It seems to me that's almost like torture. But he managed it in a healthy way. I want you to see this. Because it was not 
that he didn't want them to not walk. He just wanted to walk also. That's the difference between jealousy and inspiration. Jealousy is, I don't want you to walk. Inspiration is, keep on walking, but I want to walk too. I want to know, is there anybody that's at a season of your life where you will say, I'm not jealous, but I'm inspired. I want God to bless you. I want God to blow your mind. I want God to keep opening doors for you. But come by here, my Lord. Come by here. Can I have five more minutes? Here it is. Here it is. So Peter and John walked by him. Watch this. They walked by him, and he asked them for alms. Right? Alms. So there are like three biblical expressions of giving. There's tithe, first tenth. There's offering, that is what you choose to give above uh, the first tenth. And then there's alms, which is given specifically uh, for the purpose of justice and outreach and help. Right? So helping the needy. So he's asking for alms. He's strategically positioned at the church, pulling on the heartstrings okay. of people who are walking in church. So when Peter and John walk by, they're going to prayer. He asked them for money, for alms. Got me? Listen to what Peter says. Are y'all ready for this? Peter says, it's in the text, look at us. It means you so defeated because of the no's you've been getting. You asking without even looking. You not even expecting a yes. I'm preaching right here. You have so many no's. You not even expecting a yes. You expecting another no. And I know he not the only one. There's some of us in this room, some of us online that have been through some seasons in our life where we've got no so many times, where it hadn't worked out so many times, where the bottom has fallen out so many times, we won't even expect a yes. Peter said, look at me. Look at me. So you can't get up unless you look up. Look at me. Look at me. Your legs don't work, but you don't need them for this miracle. You need your eyes. So, and so, did you hear what I just said? Yeah, some of you think you need your legs. You don't need what's not working. God is not going to use what you don't have. He says, I'm going to take what's working and I'm going to show you how to use what's working and fix what's not working. I don't have a degree, but you got hustle. You didn't hear what I just said. I don't have the experience, but you got the anointing. I don't have their network, but you got favor. 
God says, if you don't have it, I don't need it to do what I'm going to do in your life. Look at me. I'm out of here. The man wants them to drop a dime. He asks for alms. But Peter doesn't drop a dime. He drops a name. Peter says, I'm sorry, I grew up in old school church, so this is how I memorize it. Peter says, silver and gold. Have I none? But such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus. He dropped the name. It says, in the name of Jesus. Don't miss this. In the name of Jesus, walk. Wait a minute. If, you, if I could do that, you don't think I would have done that already? You telling me to walk. If I could walk, I would have been walking. What's the difference? The name. He says, you were trying to do it before without the name. But once I drop that name on it, you're going to be able to do stuff you couldn't do before. Once I drop that name on it, you're going to be able to accomplish things you couldn't accomplish before. Peter dropped the name. I'm done, Tario. I'm done. Watch what happens. I just got to give you this. Watch what happens. Verse 7 says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Wait a minute. Because I'm believing this. I'm going to see if y'all if catch this. Because sometimes, sometimes, guys, watch this. Sometimes the, 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 the revelation is not in the exegesis in and of itself. It's just in the words themselves. This is because this is what I'm believing for in 2023. He helped him up and what's that next word? Okay. His whole life he had been lame, but God did it instantly. And I know somebody. I got. You think it's going to take all year, but I came to tell you, he's able to do it instantly in my mind, instantly in my home, instantly in my body. I'm done, Tario. I want you to catch something. The man didn't even get what he asked for. He asked for money. Because prayer 
will not only get you what you asked for. Prayer will get you what you didn't ask for. God say, take a little bit of that too then. Solomon, you want wisdom? I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you influence and I'm going to give you income. Take a little bit of that too. It sounds like exceedingly and abundantly above all. Peter dropped a name and it says that this man's ankles immediately became strong. Weak places became strong because of the name. It says this man started leaping. This your leap year. You got it. Remember, not steps. Leaps. But it happened because of the name. You can be seated. I'm going I'm to pray, pray us out. Uh, but I have to walk you through this, okay? I want you to see. You see those? We can have metaphorically. I'm not saying literally, but metaphorically. We can have those kind of results when we drop the name properly. So uh, I was in D.C. ministering this week and... Uh, my wife and I, we were coming back yesterday and I was talking to her about this message and I said, babe, I want to ask you something. We were told to pray in the name of Jesus, right? And she was like, yes. I said, were you ever taught why? I was like, I just kind of feel like I was using, I just attached Jesus' name to prayer because that's what I was told to do it's like, man, I think many of us, not all, I don't know your story, but many of us were told to pray, but not taught to. So it's an area of struggle for many of us because frankly, we've seen what we would consider people who do it well, but many of us don't see ourselves in them. Like I could see some people praying and say, I could never do that. So if that is the only mode of, if that is what I think is the only mode of effective prayer, then I will, I will bring, watch this, I will bring an inauthentic version of myself to the Father in prayer. Because in my mind, if I'm not doing it like that, then that's not right. It's almost like if you're not loud, you're not a prayer warrior. Volume is not power. And I'm going to walk you through this next week. I want you to go all in. I want you to give me three more weeks. Um, I struggled in this area. Even like in my daily prayer time, it was just be like, you know, people talk about, man, I was before the Lord hours. And I was like, I ain't had that much to say. So I'm just like sitting there and then I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I'm seeing stuff in the Bible that kind of contradicts what I was being taught in church. Like, like Jesus taught against vain babblings. So I'm like, fam, I'm, just, I'm rambling, Jesus. Me and you both know I'm rambling. 
I ain't, I ain't, I'm done. I ain't got nothing else to say. You got something to say. See, yes. I struggle. It's like, man, I don't, I, you know, if, I, don't, I don't know if I was taught. I was told, but I wasn't taught, so I struggled. And so I had to learn a protocol to pray. I had to learn how to bring, I learned that when Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, and he gave them what's called the Lord's Prayer, he was giving them a structure for prayer. Yes. I need structure. Because yeah, I'll be trying to talk to Jesus, I'll be thinking about everything. I'm not trying to say you me, but I'm talking to me now. Did you catch that? I'm, I'm, if this not resonate with you, this is not your part. But if you feel like, man, my mind, all, it doesn't mean you're not spiritually passionate. It just means Jesus gave that model prayer for you and I because we need structure. We need a protocol, a pattern to follow. But before we get into any of that, we got to be clear on the name and what it what it means so three things I want to share with you real quick number one I need clarity somebody say clarity 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 clarity, clarity first of all on what prayer is and I promise I'm gonna revisit this God's willing next week to, to unpack it more watch this prayer let me give you a working definition of it I want to give you a comprehensive definition of prayer based off of what I've seen in the, about prayer in the Old and New Testament instead of cherry-picking one passage and pulling out a, a definition based on one passage prayer is oral mental or written Oral, mouth, mental, thoughts, written, journaling, words. That's Psalms. Some of the Psalms are prayers. I ain't know that. <laughs> so there are people who are reflective and like, like my wife is a journaler. I'm not like a journaler like that. So, but what happens is when you don't, God gives all these expressions so that you can choose one that's based on your wiring. So that you don't feel condemnation and pressure to adopt a method that's not true to who you are. God, my God, he hears what you write. Did you hear what I just said? He hears what you write. He speaks your language. Whatever it is, the thoughts, the words. It is oral, mental, or written. Communication, listen to me, with God the Father. In the name of Jesus the Son. With the assistance of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was teaching people to pray, he even taught them to speak to the Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. To the Father, using the name of Jesus the Son. Now why? Because the book of Hebrews says, what earthly priests were in the Old Testament, Jesus is in the new. 
he's your priest so when you use his name are y'all here when you use his name it is the equivalent of him as a priest taking your request from you putting it in his hands as he's seated on the right hand of the father he ever lives to make intercession to plead your case before the father for you he is telling the father do it for me I'm I have no blemishes do it for me I lived a perfect life they couldn't live do it for me I lived a life mistake and sin free do it for me he's your priest am I making sense I want you to see Jesus taking your request to the father see why is this important I gotta go it's important because you will never pray consistently without this revelation of Jesus as your high priest. You will only be as consistent as your sense of personal worthiness. So when you feel like you're not worthy, your prayer life's affected. Not because God's changed. but because your approach to him has. Because you feel like because of the week you had, he won't hear your prayer. That's old covenant. New covenant, you got a priest. <laughs> you got a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And so now I come boldly to the throne of grace because I'm not just giving it to anybody I'm giving my request to my priest who lived the perfect life that I couldn't live so I don't care what kind of week you had you might think I had a sin free week you still need the priest alright let me pray over you let me pray over you I'm going to have to stop here uh, God the Father I gave my other two points some other time God the Father in the name of Jesus the Son with the assistance of the Holy Spirit can I explain this really quick the, the Bible says Romans 8 we do not know how to pray as we ought but the Spirit helps us now this is a classical Pentecostal exegesis of that scripture I don't, I'm not saying it's incorrect but I do think it's incomplete they interpret that simply to mean glossalia, which is a heavenly, unintelligible language, what we call tongues. It is where the Holy Spirit directly, using dialects, and I don't even get into all of this, but tongues have a twofold function in scripture. If you actually look on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't glossalia. It wasn't an unintelligible language. They actually spoke literal languages. It's, it's a metaphor of how the Holy Spirit empowers you to speak to different types of people. Right? But the Apostle Paul talks about a different use where he says, I will pray in the Spirit and I'll pray in my understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit 
I was singing my understanding. And the church at Corinth was tongue obsessed. And Paul's like, I really rather that y'all prophesy because that encourages one another. He says, but let's bring order to this. And he says, despise not prophecies and forbid not to speak with tongues. Here's the issue. So yes, the Holy Spirit can pray through you. But the Holy Spirit also prompts you to pray. And disobeying the promptings is what, is what Paul calls quenching the spirit. I know like people would be like shouting in church and people say, don't quench the spirit. When Paul said that, there was nothing about public worship gatherings in that conversation. The spirit prompts and leads. And when you resist it, you're quenching it. Every parent should be listening to me now. When you get a prompting about your child, pray. That's, that's the spirit saying, pray that there's some things I won't do without your, inter, without your invitation. So it's saying there's something I need to do for them or for her or for him, but I, I, need, I, I need to prompt you to pray. Am I making sense? So I'm talking to the father in the name of my priest whoever lives to make intercession for me in the name of Jesus the son but I'm sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit so those things that come to my mind and heart to pray for I'm not going to worry about whether or not it's God I'm going to pray and then let God figure it out and I want you to stay with me because I promise you, I'm going to do everything I can these next four weeks to walk you through this in a way where you can implement it in your life effortlessly and seamlessly in a way that's consistent with the way God wired you. Some of you, you're going to do this an hour a day. Some of us, I don't do it an hour a day. I pray every day. I don't pray a whole hour. Not every day. Y'all okay? <laughs> Oh my God, yep, nope, there you go. Nope, yep, I'm going to walk you through things. I practice something called the daily office, and so I'm with the Father, sometimes a little bit over an hour. Uh, worship, prayer, study of scripture is all in my quiet time. And then throughout the day, twice a day in addition to what I do in the morning, I pause and practice the daily office and I re-engage because my Jesus juice with my days by the time I get to lunch my Jesus juice wore off I need to re I need Jesus again so I pause and I take 15 minutes and I practice solitude and I meditate and go back over what I studied that morning and I do it at the end of the day the point that I'm not trying to I'm just what am I I'm trying to give you freedom To find a way to practice this consistently that actually works for you so that's why I'm telling you I don't do it an hour and this is what happens some people have anointings and callings that make certain things a priority for them and they judge people who don't prioritize the things the same way it's like you don't pray an hour you don't read your Bible an hour you're not standing on the streets with, like that's your thing But if you will stay with me, God's going to revolutionize 
your spiritual life. If you will let me challenge you to take a new look at an old thing. I want to pray a benediction over you. I look forward to seeing you next week in the lobby, in this room, online. God's going to take our spiritual life to a completely different level. We're going to get this prayer thing right. And we're going to do it biblically and properly. And we're going to see the kind of results that our king saw in scripture. Father, bless us and keep us. Cause your face of favor to shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Protect us. Provide for us. And above all else, grant us peace. I pray for a revival of prayer in our hearts. I pray for a prayer revival in our soul. And may it be said of this house, as it was said of the early church, these are they that have turned the world upside down. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.